0: Welcome to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott. Jeff has written Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents become important influencers in guiding their kids to success. Influential Parenting, how's it different from traditional parenting?
1: You know, it's a completely different perspective. It's a perspective that all the research and spending time with the kids forced me to begin to look at it's a perspective that doesn't rely on our position our power and authority like we're so trained to Mm -hmm. it's it's more of a leadership style that looks more like a nelson mandela or a gandhi or a jesus Mm -hmm. where you see they didn't have positions of power and authority but made huge changes in their countries or in the world and they did it without a position of authority They did it with a totally different leadership style that got to people's hearts, that caused them to want to follow, not have to follow. And you look at Nelson Mandela in South Africa or you look at Jesus and the Roman Empire and the change that took place as a result of his laying down his life as opposed to picking up his authority – And it's shocking. And I found when we lead like that, our kids jump on our coattails, and they'll follow us anywhere.
0: Isn't this a big challenge for parents who've grown up with traditional parenting, who feel that they're in control? They're calling their shots? You're going to do as I say? You know, I
1: think it is a huge challenge, but it's also incredibly freeing. It's also incredibly liberating because when we're trying to control, our kids are trying to get around our control. And it leads to a lot of frustration, which then can lead to anger, can lead to hostile interactions between us and our kids, which leads to hurt on both sides of the equation, which rarely I find in families today ever really gets discussed, understood, resolved, apologized for and forgiven. Hmm. And all of a sudden hearts get harder and harder. And I see so many hard hearts between parents
0: and kids today. Mm You use the term freeing. Uh, As I think about the concept, I think it would be very freeing for a parent to say, I'm not here to lead you through your life of 18 years in this home. I'm here to allow you to become who you need to be, who want to be. You have the potential to be. So I'll help when needed, but it's up to you. Right,
1: and I'm here to influence you. I'm here to coach you. I'm here to come alongside like a mentor. Mentoring works; it's statistically proven to work. But mentors never approach their kids that they're working with from a position of authority, power, and control because they don't have it. They have to do it relationally. They have to do it by trusting and feeding the kids information and ha- helping them process that information. And it's amazing how kids' lives turn around with a stranger. In a mentoring relationship, I'm saying, man, we can do that as parents. And it really, really does work. And that that time with all these kids that I did the research where I hear the pain and the frustration and the struggle of trying to live up to all the expectations of their parents and trying to fulfill all of their parents' desires, and they feel it's impossible. They feel like they have to be perfect around their parents wow, wait a minute, none of us are perfect, this side of heaven. So
0: that's impossible. And we wonder why they're leaving the faith then. So your message to a parent who's been an authoritarian is to say, become the mentor. If you can, work that relationship with your child without the power, without the authority, without laying down the law, this is how you will behave or else, but being the coach. Being the mentor. Yeah,
1: and it's such a foreign thought, and it's really scary for parents. I get it. I mean, it was scary for us when we when we tossed our long list of expectations and roles and consequences and, and, and jumped into trying to lead like Jesus. So
0: was it a light bulb experience for you and your wife, Didi, when you said, we really need to move away from the traditional style and become influential parents using mentoring? It was it was Did not it, a
1: light bulb moment. It, it was uh, it was a <laughs> it was a gut wrenching journey, um, and what I mean by that is our oldest, at age nine, uh, was beginning to hide things and lie and wouldn't admit she was wrong, and we'd have to go through an hour long battle to get her to even admit she was wrong, and we were discovering that it didn't matter what consequence we threw this; she it just motivated her to hide and lie more, because man, if I'm going to get punished and if I'm going to be in pain. Because of the mistakes I make, then I'm not going to let them know the mistakes I make. And so it just made perfect sense. So that was piece one. Piece two was sitting with two different girls in a research time, Lindsay and Sarah, and talking to Lindsay. And Lindsay was just amazing. She had everything together. She knew where she was going, she knew what she was doing. She was self confident, she was making great decisions. And I was – when we were looking at the college transition research at that point, I'm like, man, I want a Lindsay. And then I brought Sarah on, and Sarah was from the same Christian school, the same church, and the same town her whole life as Sarah. And so I just expected her to do well. And I, I said, so where are you going to college? And she turned three shades of gray and said, I don't think I can handle college right now. And I'm like, why not? And she went on to say, I know my parents love me, but they're really controlling And they don't let me do anything, and they don't trust me. So I worked with my friends in my youth group and my Christian school to get around their rules and controls. And I got to the parties, and I started drinking. I've had sex. I've done some other things. I've been hurt. I'm feeling so guilty. I'm cutting. I don't think I can handle college right now. And that was the day where I went, wait a minute. What is going on? Because here's Sarah, and I sound like Sarah's parents. And so I went and got Lindsay and brought her back on a camera in this research process and said, tell me about your relationship with your parents. And Lindsay said, my parents are awesome. And I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, I, my parents are some of the most lenient and I'm the most conservative kid in my group of parents. And I'm like, lenient is a bad word. And I said, what do you mean lenient? And she goes, well, they let me go to the football games by myself. They let me go to the parties. You know, Now red lights are going off in my head. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, so how's that working for you? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, at the parties, is there drinking? Do they get out of control? Oh, yeah. What do you do? I text my parents and they call me a few minutes later and tell me I have to come home. And I hold up my cell phone and say, oh, you know, my horrible parents are making me come home again. And she goes home and tells them (laughs) everything that was going on in the party. And I'm sitting here going, this this can't be right. Mm -hmm. Okay. As a parent, I am dying. In this time. And I looked at her. I said, well, how else is it? You know, is it really working for you? She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, do you drink at the parties? And she goes, no. I said, have you had sex? She said, no. And I looked her in the eyes. I said, look me, <laughs> get the cameras here, but look me in the eyes right now. I am dying as a parent at this moment. Are you a virgin? <laughs> she looks me in the eyes and she was. Do you drink at these parties? No. Why not? I'm not there beating my parents' perceived depression, their rules and control. So when I went for the first time, I went with their prepension. They drove me there. I walked in, saw it for what it was. I realized I could have a great time without the alcohol. I'm really close to my parents, so I don't really need a boyfriend.
0: We use the term maturity, that there would, she would be very mature for her age in making adult-like decisions. So there had to be some pretty serious mentoring in her life, in Lindsay's life. I think the relationship in that house
1: and the way they functioned was basically like we're trying to train parents in influential parenting. It wasn't about control and authority and protecting them because they can't protect themselves. It was about believing and trusting that they could make decisions, that they wanted to succeed, that they would make decisions if they weren't pushing back against – and frustrated in in a broken relationship with their parents.
0: So you said believing, trusting?
1: Believing, trusting, empowering. I mean, we're all sitting here going, wait a minute, you can't let your kid go to a party? That's completely wrong. And after that interview... You know, to be honest with you, I'm dying as a parent because I'm parenting like Sarah, and Sarah's been to the parties and had sex and (laughs) been hurt, and she's cutting, and I'm not parenting like this, and then I go and study the Bible. And I don't like what I see. I see Jesus taking the disciples to parties. I see him making wine. I see him taking them around the woman in the well who's sleeping around like a Mack truck. I see him taking around the prostitute who's been ripped out of a bed and is about to be stoned, and she may have been a sheet. She might have been buck naked, and they didn't fall. And as a parent, I am dying looking at Jesus' leadership style because he didn't hide them from this stuff. He took them into the middle of it, and in the middle of it, they saw the reality and realized that following Jesus wasn't him being a cosmic killjoy; It was helping them be protected from hurt and pain. And somehow we've jumped into this mindset in fear of we need to protect our kids, keep them from making any of these bad decisions, prevent them. And in doing that, they go out and find a way to do it because of the oppositional nature of the adolescent brain. I mean, let's look at the garden. There was just one rule. One rule. Everything else is perfect. One rule. It was broken. Do
0: you think in the... uh parent child relationship uh judgment gets in the way uh, and i let me explain a little bit more what i'm thinking here the parent wants to be perceived as a good parent by their peers friends neighbors etc they want their they want their child to be the right kind of child the good child so there's some judgment functioning at all times judging i'm going to make these decisions because what would the neighbors say if I allowed extra freedom, extra opportunity for my child to do what they would like to do rather than what I'm saying they're going to do? Multiple judgments going on here. I think
1: so much of the mistakes we made as young parents with our first was based upon how we were going to be perceived by other people in the church. Right. Okay. I th- we We look at— and everybody knows the term pastor's kid, why do we know that? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? And if you want to talk about a kid who's got three million sets of eyes on them and parents that have three million reasons to, to keep their kid completely in line, it's a pastor's kid. And how's it working for those kids? Um, and so we've got to stop and ask ourselves, are we really leading like Jesus, are we really a person of influence? Are we a person of authority and control? The Roman Empire was all about authority and control, and the Jewish people wanted out from under him so bad they thought Jesus was going to be that messianic leader that would take them out from them. They didn't realize he was going to be the leader that would restore their hearts, restore their faith, restore their eternal life, the capability. And he did that by getting rid of the rules. He did that by loving and caring and laying down his life, mercy and grace, he kind of blew out the entire rule structure of the Old Testament. Yes, he did. And somehow I think we're trapped in our parenting in the Old Testament. And we've missed Jesus altogether in parenting and how powerful it is to have 5,000 people chasing you around the lake when you're trying to slip away. And I love it when my kids chase me around
0: the lake and they do
1: influential parenting
0: you're listening to revive family parenting in the 21st century with jeff shot more in a moment many parents today fear the impact that society social media in particular is having on their kids researcher counselor and parenting coach jeff shot offers a better way to lead your kid and give you more influence than youtube snapshot or video games through research with 3500 kids jeff developed a new way of parenting that's working for thousands of families the program is called Influential Parenting. Get it today at revivefamily.com slash radio. Bring your kid's heart to life and peace to your home. Welcome back to Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We're on the topic of influential parenting, and uh, we can see that for parents there's a big challenge to move away from traditional to a more insightful way of guiding children with a mentoring Loving, nurturing style. Do you come across circumstances where you think the kids get it, but the parents don't? Well, the fun part about doing
1: the coaching with families uh, is that you get to work with the parents and the kids. And what's amazing, and it's it's very true. You know, we've we've heard the old adage. Uh, it's it's uh, hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Oftentimes, the kids grab on and change and 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 move in terms of healing internally and their perspective of themselves and their of life and how they make decisions will change much more quickly than their parents. In mm-hmm. fact, last night I got one of my emergency phone calls from a coaching client and it was this uh teenage younger teenager uh and uh and she she contacted me via t- text and said we had a family fiasco can I talk to you? So I get on the phone with her and she goes I had to be the the step in and be the parent to my parents today tonight. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, my parents went back to their old way that you know things weren't going well with my younger brother, my 9-year-old and mm-hmm. his homework. And my mom started pushing and he started to get upset and she yelled and he took off for the bedroom, she chased him into the bedroom. Continued to tell him now, yelling at him that he's not stupid, even though he's saying he's stupid. That's his negative core value that he picked up from struggles he's had in his school. But yelling's not the way to deal with that. And then dad came in, and and this teenage daughter is like, Dad's been doing a really good job of becoming a coach and a mentor and coming alongside. But for some reason, he went, and I, you know, even I still make the mistake. Okay. And I've been at this for a lot of years. So sometimes. Mm I'm in a bad place personally. I'm tired. I'm stressed, whatever. And sometimes I'll revert. So dad comes in and joins in. He doesn't put a check in it like he had been. And so this teenage daughter walked into the room, looked at the parents and said, what you're doing is all wrong. And you should know better after the coaching with with Jeff. And they're like, oh, you're right. And we'll just leave him alone. And she's like, no. Don't leave him alone, turn around and apologize to him for yelling at him and get sit down with him, give him a hug and tell him it's going to be okay, tell him that he's not stupid. Tell him that we'll finish the homework in the morning when he's fresh and he's in a better place mentally. And so they did that and then This walk, was from the teenager to the parents. Exactly. Wow. And that's what I'm seeing is that, you know, those young people can get it and make the changes and gears faster. And they want to do what's right. They want to succeed. They're motivated. They're young. They're idealistic. Man, if we'll come alongside them and believe in them and trust them and and come alongside like a coach and a mentor, they get it. And they rise up amazingly. They rise to the level of trust and belief. Hmm. Um, They shrink from the expectations.
0: It takes a lot of love. I think it takes a lot of patience to make that transition. I think patience is – one way to say
1: it. Mm -hmm. But patience also means we're being patient with something that's bothering us. And what has changed for me internally is is what I think Jesus had all along. People's failures didn't bother Jesus. They didn't upset him. They didn't frustrate him. He wasn't angry. He wasn't having to be patient because he loved them and he had compassion on them. And when he looked at the crowds, he looked at them – With compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd, without a mentor, without a coach Mm -hmm. who were helpless and harassed and bumping into the walls and getting hurt as a result. And that's how I now see my kids when they make a mistake, when they fail. It's like, okay, wow, they made a mistake. They failed here. I didn't give them everything they needed. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, my mentoring fell short here. What do we need to go in and fix and help them understand so they, they get this and make better decisions in this area going forwards? I no longer have to be patient because I literally, when my kids fail, I laugh. These kids I'm coaching are shocked. They'll tell me these things that they've done. And half the time I laugh and they're like, what? Why are you laughing? It's like, I've done the same stupid thing in my life, you know? And I think that was Jesus. He, mm. Why did the woman at the well want to talk to him? Why did, the, you know, why did all these people that were failing chase him around the lake? I don't think he had to be patient. I think he saw yeah. their sin, their mistakes, mm. not through the, lie, through the eyes of frustration and anger and hurt
0: because they didn't do it right at all. But he was communicating you were made by God to be loved by God. Yeah. And as God's on earth representative right. expressing that love, patience. I think also of gentleness. I know as a father That's hard. I intended to be firm. <laughs> and if they didn't get it with my first firm pronouncement, I would be, you know, on the verge of being angry. And I kept saying, I need to be more gentle, patient, kind. <laughs> These are kids. I love my kids.
1: Right. And I, I mean, that was hard for me at first as a parent, too, until yeah. I saw it, you know, basically shut down my nine-year-old daughter's heart because I was really good at laying down the law. It was easy. It didn't require any thought, any effort. Right. Uh, you know, I, it got more and more difficult and more and more painful as the conflicts increased. But wow, you know, now the way I see my kids' failures and the teaching opportunities are so dramatically different. You know, my son gets a new knife and he's got a sheath that it goes in and we're going on a hike and I notice he doesn't have the sheath. And I look at it and I say, should I tell him to go to get the sheath? I'm like, no, I'm going to let him learn the lesson the hard way. And so we go on the hike and we're coming back down from having gone over all these dead trees through this valley and we've been all over for an hour. And he reaches down and his knife is in his pocket. And I looked at him and I said, you know, didn't that come with a sheath and with a you know velcros secure this wouldn't have happened if you had brought that. But my life, I said, well, we've only got 15 minutes we've got it we've got somewhere to be tonight. Let's pray that God helps us fight it in 15 minutes And we prayed and we went back and were looking and we had been through all these down trees from this fire and I mean there's no way we're gonna find this knife in 15 minutes. We come to this one spot. This open spot, backtracking, mm-hmm. and in the middle of the open spot where he wasn't jumping over a log or anything, there's the knife lying out in the middle, glinting. And I'm like, "Look what God did!" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I'm going to believe in God forever." And and I looked at him and said, "So what did we learn?" We learned, and he's like, "I need to I need to bring the sheath every time, don't I?" I'm like, "Yeah." What else that we can pray and trust God to help us? Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Okay." great day lessons let's move on Mm -hmm. i could have played the controlling parent and ordered him to go get that sheath and when he pushed back because we were already you know on the trail um you know we could have gotten into a conflict or i could said okay it's okay if he fails here we can use it as a coaching mentoring teaching time Mm
0: -hmm. as we talk about influential parenting certainly there's a transformation that needs to occur Within a parent who's been locked in on a traditional style, could you describe three or four characteristics of that parent who now has transformed and understands that using love, gentleness, patience, they can be more influential?
1: I think, you know, it's different for everybody. I think for every parent, a lot of what we have to deal with is looking at our own hearts and our own baggage that causes us to trigger where our kid will say something or do something that really, if we didn't have the baggage we had, wouldn't be that big a deal to us. But because we have the baggage, they say it and it kicks off in an inordinate amount of emotion within us. And all of a sudden, we're in a fight or flight mode because of that baggage. So, so many of the parents that have jumped into influential parenting have actually started to go back and look at their own core values. And their own negative self talk and beliefs that cause them to be sensitive to what their kids do or say, mm-hmm. and that's really helped them transform not just you know with their kids but at work and everything else. people are saying that influential parenting is saving our marriage uh, it's changing really? the way I deal with my
0: coworkers at work and i'm I'm being more liked and more successful. Yeah. It's not just a parenting one. <laughs> parenting style change. It's a full lifestyle transformation. You're changing your perspective on how you influence
1: as opposed to being through authority Mm -hmm. and control like uh, Hitler or Stalin. Okay. You're now looking at how do I have influence like Mm
0: -hmm. Nelson Mandela and Jesus. All of us are somewhat involved in the world of sales even though we may, may not be sales people. I saw an article recently uh, that was titled something like um, "Don't try to sell something; form a new relationship." Isn't that something <laughs> that could work quite well as a slogan within influential parenting? Okay. It's uh, yeah. Well, I think work our- on that relationship and not try to sell them on your idea that that's the only way to do it.
1: Our slogan is really a change of heart, yeah, and that's what I see. You know, revive family being all about it's about a change of heart in how we view our kids, how we lead our kids, how we influence our kids. And when we begin to look at them through the eyes like Jesus, when we begin to seek to influence as opposed to control their decisions, and they feel like they have a voice at the table, and that they're being heard and understood, and we're helping them think through and come to their own decisions. Wow, they really like being hanging out with their parents. Yeah, they actually want to go on vacations with their parents. Wow, they come out of their rooms and hang out with their parents. They come out of their rooms and, hey, my daughter just called me from college. Freshman still, first uh, dating relationship, and she's
0: calling – probably two times a week, asking for dating advice. A change of heart. A change of heart. That's it for this edition of Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return again next week with another program designed to help you become a wiser, better parent. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.